earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends, and thanks for joining me today wherever you may be. Friends, last time I began a new series called Scrutinizing Scripture, Can We Believe Our Bible? And in part one, The Bible, The Ultimate Influencer for Good, we laid a foundation to put to rest some of the unfortunate criticisms against the Bible that have been leveled at it either out of ignorance, misinformation, or sheer animosity. We gathered factual information from history, literature, art, music, education, philosophy and other disciplines and brought them to the witness stand to testify to the Bible's positive influence on Western civilization and culture. We also elaborated on the erosion of truth and how that has led to truth now being defined by the individual, truth becoming subjective, relative, and situational, and no longer being objective and absolute. No longer are things right for all peoples, all times, and all places. You may recall one apropos quote I shared by Greco-Roman historian Herodotus. History teaches us that man learns nothing from history. Well, friends, today part two is called, Imagine That! God Published a Book! And for many of us, holding a traditional standard Bible in our hands may lead us to think, this is a hefty book. Should I begin reading at the beginning? Should I pick a place to start? How should I read this, in some cases, 1,300 plus page book? The Bible as we know it is actually a single bound library of 66 books, each different in their own way, yet each remarkably tied together by a scarlet thread of redemption. Redemption, or the redeeming of humankind, being the overarching theme of the entire collection. Well, friends, with the help of author Carol Smith and her book, The Ultimate Guide to the Bible, I've adapted her synopsis of the Bible likened to modern cable TV programs. I thought it might be easier to understand the Bible and its various writing styles and audiences if we compared this library of books to themes in a variety of modern cable TV station programming. In our generation, TV has gone the way that radio stations have gone, in that each station has found its niche or format and are fitting their programming into these thematic or style formats. Except for some traditional networks, the cooking shows are on a cooking channel, sports shows on sports channels, etc. So let's imagine for a moment that the books of the Bible were assigned to cable channels that mirrored their topics. Perhaps they'd be divided up like this. 
Lifetime Television for Women. Here we'd have Esther, Ruth, and Song of Solomon. These would definitely fit in with chick flicks. Women's stories, problems, issues, and interests. Sci-Fi Channel or the Psychic Friends Network. Here we'd place the prophets of the Old Testament and the Book of Revelation. However, there'd be nothing fictional or fake about them. No per-minute charges on their hotlines either. Rather, a variety of amazing visions and a future like you wouldn't but can believe. Real TV or the History Channel. Here we'd have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and the Book of Acts, all recording action, suspense, and adventure. Just imagine being a filmmaker with your camera in hand and darting behind each of these characters. Court TV. Here we'll place the book of judges. We'll watch all those judges judge. Some good, others pitiful. Advice TV. Here we'd offer Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, everyday wisdom with which to make everyday and important decisions. Of course, without the fights, weird clothes, or tearful confrontations. MTV or VH1. These programs could never match the matchless lyrics in the Psalms. What kind of spin could you possibly put on Psalm 18? Talk about special effects. A&E Biography Channel. Here we tell the personal Old Testament stories of Ezra, Nehemiah, Job, and from the Gospels in the New Testament, the life of Jesus. CBN, TBN, etc. You know, Christian TV. Here we'll imagine the New Testament letters or epistles coming alive and giving us the meat and potatoes of Christian TV programming. We'll portray real Christians dealing with real life issues. Imagine a talk show host interviewing the authors of these epistles, putting a mic in front of them and letting them go. Friends, you see, the invitation and challenge of the Bible may be distilled down to a few key scripture verses. First being 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify Jesus Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect. And let me just tack on verse 16 here, which adds some good counsel. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The second friends being Proverbs twenty-two seventeen through 21. Extend your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you so that they may be ready on your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, you indeed. Have I not written you excellent things of counsels and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth so that you may correctly answer him who sent you. And the third key scripture, friends, will be Second Timothy three twelve through 17 Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but evil people and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, 
deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial or profitable for teaching, rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. You see, friends, the Bible has a story to tell. Everyone who calls on Jesus will be redeemed or saved. Whoever places their trust or belief in Christ will not be disappointed. But how are people to call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are people to believe in him whom they've not heard? How are people to hear without a preacher? Now, friends, that word preacher in Romans ten fourteen doesn't get the rest of us off the hook. Acts chapter 1 tells us all that we're to be witnesses in our families, our neighborhoods, our cities, our states, and our world. The Apostle Paul continues in Romans 10 with, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And then adds, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word concerning Christ. Friends, part of our mission as Christ followers is clearing away obstacles for others who've been programmed by unfortunate criticisms against the Bible, either out of ignorance misinformation, or just plain animosity. In his book, The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict, former atheist and skeptic Josh McDowell said, God often uses apologetics or evidence, and I'll add reasoned defenses, to help clear away obstacles to faith that many people erect, and also to show that faith in Christ is reasonable. The late Paul E. Little in his book, Know Why You Believe, said, Faith in Christianity is based on evidence. It is reasonable faith. Faith in the Christian sense goes beyond reason, but not against it. Friends, if you've ever lived in an area where there is frequent or occasional fog, you know that there were days when you couldn't see the car in front of you. Here in Arizona, we have dust storms which do this very thing. It's not only frightening, but dangerous to drive under these conditions. If we want to see what's really there, we must remove or clear away what's obstructing or obscuring our view. Friends, what holds true in the natural realm holds true in the spiritual realm. Many people's understanding of the Christian faith or the Bible is somewhat foggy and often compounded by misconceptions or misinformation previously gotten and believed. Before people can see what's really there, we may need to clear away the fog for them. This may mean giving an answer or providing a reasoned defense of our faith. In other words, presenting concrete evidence in a persuasive yet respectful and gentle way. Sometimes, friends, it helps to honestly ask ourselves, what makes the Bible unique and therefore defendable? And then seek out the people or resources that will help us learn the true facts about the Bible. Friends, this is the goal of this teaching series, Scrutinizing Scripture, Can We Believe Our Bible? 
One way the Bible is unique and therefore defendable is its continuity from Genesis to Revelation, from the first book to the last book. Let's take, for example, what may be considered the secular counterpart to the Bible, the compilation of Western classics called Great Books of the Western World. This collection contains selections from more than 450 works by some 100 authors spanning a period of about 2,500 years. It includes such notables as Homer, Plato, Aristotle, Augustine, Dante, Spinoza, Calvin, Rousseau, Shakespeare, Hume, Kant, Darwin, Tolstoy, and many others. Now, while it's true that these authors in this great series all share the tradition of Western thought, they display an incredible diversity of views on pretty much every subject. True, they may share some common ground, but still represent conflicting and contradictory positions and perspectives as well. In fact, they frequently go out of their way to critique and refute key ideas held by those that have gone before them. Yet, friends, when comparing and contrasting the Judeo-Christian collection of writings in the Bible, we first discover that the Bible is a compilation of works of over 40 authors written over a period of some 1,500 years. Now, to the mainstream mind, the Bible's authors may not seem like notables, yet the Bible's authors represent nearly every walk of life, from peasants, shepherds, fishermen, tax collectors, philosophers and poets, to musicians, scholars, statesmen, military leaders, and kings. And an objective cross-section of the Bible's authors is rather unique and includes their varied social and economic stations in life, their occupational settings, the time periods that separate their lives and writings, as well as the geographic distances that separate them. Friends, we might even conclude that on first glance, they too might naturally display a diversity of viewpoints on just about every subject. Yet, despite these factors, there's an uncanny, unified voice from Genesis to Revelation on every facet of human life and the solution to humanity's problems. Let's just consider a representative sampling of characteristics that make the continuity of the Bible so unique. Remember now, friends, the Bible was written by over 40 authors with diverse backgrounds, including Moses, a political leader and judge trained in the schools of Egypt, Joshua, a military general, David, a shepherd, poet, musician, king and warrior, Solomon, a king and philosopher, Nehemiah, a cupbearer to a pagan king, a king's mother who inspired Proverbs 31, Isaiah, a prophet, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, prophets and sons of priests, Baruch, Jeremiah's scribe, Daniel, a prime minister, Matthew, a Jewish tax collector, Mark, the apostle Peter's secretary, the apostle Peter, a fisherman, Luke, a physician and historian, Paul, a well-educated Jewish rabbi and cultured man, James, a pastor and church council members, the Bible was written in different settings. Moses wrote in the wilderness. Jeremiah wrote in a dungeon. 
Daniel wrote on a hillside and in a palace. Luke wrote while traveling. Paul wrote while in prison. John wrote while in exile on an island. The Bible was written during different times. David wrote during times of war and sacrifice. Solomon wrote during times of peace and prosperity. The Bible was written in the midst of differing moods, heights of joy as well as depths of despair and sorrow, feelings of certainty and conviction as well as feelings of confusion and doubt. The Bible was written on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. It was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And friends, the Bible was written with a variety of literary styles, poetry, historical narrative, didactic treatises, in other words, teachings and defending, personal correspondences, memoirs, satire, as well as biographies, autobiographies, law, prophecy, parables, and allegories. The Bible addresses hundreds of controversial or debatable subjects like marriage, divorce, remarriage, parenting, the family, sexuality in all forms, obedience to authority, truth-telling, lying, character development, talents, the nature and revelation of God, sin, salvation, heaven, hell, suffering, depression, joy, and more. And yet, friends, in spite of this diverse subject matter, the Bible presents a single unfolding story from Genesis to Revelation. And what is this single story? God's redeeming of us human beings, his creation. The paradise lost of Genesis becomes the paradise gained of Revelation. Whereas the gate to the tree of life is closed in Genesis, it's open forevermore in Revelation. Redemption is the unifying thread. One theologian from a prior generation calls it the scarlet thread of redemption running through the Bible. Friends, redemption is just a fancy word for God's work of salvation from human sin and condemnation to a life of complete transformation and unending blessing in the presence of the one merciful and holy God. So, by investigation, we soon discover that although the Bible contains 66 individual books in its library by over 40 authors, it demonstrates in its continuity that it is also one book. Amazingly, all 40-plus authors give glimpses of a single perspective, God's will and plan for fallen humanity. The Bible is not simply an anthology. There's unity that binds the whole together. For example, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 say, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, and that's Jesus Christ, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. 2 Peter 1, 16-21 We did not follow cleverly devised stories or myths when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased." 
We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Believe it or not, friends, the single leading character throughout the whole of the Bible is the one true living God made known to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment and grasp how this book has been compiled or organized. Let's consider the initial revelation through the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. The law of Moses provides the foundation for Christ. The historical books show the preparation for Christ. The poetical books aspire to picture Christ. The prophetic books communicate an expectation of Christ. Now let's consider the full and final revelation in the New Testament. The Gospels record the historical manifestation of Christ. The book of Acts relate the propagation or the promotion of Christ. The epistles provide the interpretation of Christ. And the book of Revelation, we find the consummation of all things in Christ. Friends, these unique characteristics alone provide the challenge to any thinking person to give serious consideration to the fact that these unique qualities point to the Bible's continuity. Remember now, friends, the goal of apologetics or supplying a reasoned defense is to help clear away obstacles to faith. This is not meant to be a substitute for prayer and does not replace or undermine the work of the Holy Spirit, as discussed in the Gospel of John chapter 16. Friends, after Josh McDowell's conversion from being an atheist and skeptic to becoming a tried-and-true Christ follower, a representative for the book series Great Books of the Western World that we talked about earlier, attempted to recruit him as a salesman. Well, during that conversation, McDowell took the opportunity to share with this rep about the greatest book. He challenged the rep to take just ten authors, all from one walk of life, one generation, one place, one time, one continent, one language, even one mood, and limit the discussion to choosing just one controversial subject. Then collect their findings and put them in a book. And then ask yourself, would all these authors agree? The rep said, no. McDowell then asked, what would you have? The rep replied, a conglomeration. In other words, a mishmash. Well, friends, an anonymous literary work marvelously describes the literary unity of the Bible in these poetic words. The Bible is a beautiful palace built out of 66 blocks of solid marble. 
the 66 books. In the first chapter of Genesis, we enter the vestibule, which is filled with the mighty acts of creation. This vestibule gives us access to the law courts, the five books of Moses, passing through which we come to the picture gallery of the historical books. Here we find hung upon the walls scenes of battlefields, representations of heroic deeds, and portraits of eminent people belonging to the early days of the world's history. Beyond the picture gallery we find the philosopher's chamber, Job, passing through which we enter the music room, Psalms, where we listen to the grandest strains that ever fell on human ears. Then we come to the business office, Proverbs, where right in the center stands the motto, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. From the business office we pass into the chapel, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon with the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, and fine perfumes, fruit, flowers, and singing birds. Finally we reach the observatory, the prophets, with their telescopes fixed on near and distant stars, all directed toward the bright and morning star that would soon arise. Crossing the court, we come to the audience chamber of the king, the Gospels, where there's four vivid life portraits of the king himself. Next, we enter the workroom of the Holy Spirit, Acts, and beyond that, the correspondence room, the epistles, where Paul and Peter, James and John and Jude are busy at their desks, their epistles open for all to study. Before leaving the palace, we stand for a moment in the outside gallery, Revelation, where we find striking pictures of the judgments to come, the glories to be revealed, and concluding with the awe-inspiring picture of the throne room of the king. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of our program. Our broadcast will close with an email where you may write me and share your feedback on these teachings. If a word from the Word has blessed you or illuminated God's Word, please also consider becoming a support team members. Listeners like you keep this program on the air. Thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the Word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.